I'm Robin Amler of IBS Intelligence, and I'm joined by Tom Kellerman, Head of Cybersecurity Strategy at VMware Security Business. We're talking about the fourth annual Modern Bank Heists Report. Tell us what's been going on in the last 12 months, Tom. What's been different? Obviously, there's been a pandemic, but what's been different in terms of the attacks on banks in the last 12 months? You know, in this study, we interviewed over 126 CISOs from around the world. And what we learned was quite stark. Uh, they're facing a surge of organized activity from cybercrime cartels at the same time that their attack surface has been expanded due to the nature of telework during the pandemic. This is compounded by the nature of rogue nation states leveraging these cybercrime cartels to offset economic sanctions and a greater knowledge of the adversary, of the interdependencies that exist in the sector, and of what is true value within a financial institution. Well, let's talk about one of the, the ways people are being attacked. And this sounds terribly 19th century, wire transfer fraud. Why is wire transfer fraud now the new digital bank robbery? Well, you know, it is increasing. It is increasing. And in large part, it's due to the nature in which businesses have moved all of their transactions online. And there's implicit ephemeral trust placed into digital identities. And you see these cybercrime cartels essentially exploit the vulnerability and the gap of trust between businesses who have existing relationships, but essentially leveraging business email compromise and, and reverse business email compromise from those entities to commit these types of fraud. Uh, but I would note, this is the first time we asked another question, which was specific to, um, have you experienced attacks that were targeting uh, non-public market information or market strategies of institutions? And over 50% have been experiencing that. And so you're seeing this migration of the elite cybercrime cartels towards understanding that the, the greatest asset of a financial institution is non-public market information or their market strategy. And this type of digital front running or digital insider trading is flourishing. One thing I noticed you said there, talking about the wire transfer fraud, I just want to go back to that for a moment to underline something, was the vulnerability of emails. What it comes down to, actually, is it still the human element that's the weak link? In many cases, they're actually commandeering the endpoint, the workstation of the individual in the institution or in the business who has the capacity to transfer funds. And so they, they masquerade as that individual because they have essentially compromised and commandeered their digital identity and they have full control of their workstation. And so they then leverage funds uh, illicitly through that construct. It's not so much about tricking someone into actually sending uh, wire transfers. It's actually manipulation of the endpoints or workstations that actually have the capacity to do that as they have full control. As they're inside that laptop or that workstation that is that is remotely accessing the wire transfer system from home now. And this really highlights the nature in which network security and perimeter defense has failed them uh, during this pandemic, because typically institutions that had very robust network security postures are incredibly vulnerable now to cyber attack because of the distributed workforce and because of the nature that they have limited visibility and telemetry as to what goes on on those laptops that are VPN tunneling from home. Let exactly. me come back now to the thing you moved on to talking about there, which was the digitization of insider trading and people front running the market. 
this is something that's not necessarily targeted against the institution itself, but more broadly against the marketplace. This is effectively economic espionage. This is warfare in the 21st century, isn't it? It is, but it's also part of why the cybercrime cartels have been growing in, in their strength and resilience. They fully understand the, the utility of understanding, let's say, if a financial institution, if Bank X is about to take a large position on, let's say, the Swiss franc, that if they did it an hour beforehand, they could reap the rewards. You talk about cybercrime cartels. Is it that these are criminal actors or, dare I say, it, state actors? There's a reason why I use the term cartels, and it's not just from my vantage at VMware. It's because I sit on the board for cybercrime investigations for the U.S. Secret Service. And for your audience, they should know that the Secret Service is not just a protection organization. Uh, They investigate all financial crimes in the U.S. And we call them cartels because there's a pox mafiosa that exists between specific governments and the significant cybercrime syndicates, such that they maintain untouchable status from Western law enforcement. And they are very much established and organized in a cartel-like structure where there's a division of labor, uh, where there's specific service offerings and everything else that you could think of when you associate with that. So much like the narco traffickers that you read about in books or watch in movies were protected by South American governments in the 80s, you're seeing the same thing occurring in Eastern Europe and in Southeast Asia with cybercrime syndicates. Okay, we'll move on from that. That's a little bit worrying, but we'll move on from that. How have the attacks that you've been seeing and recording evolved from heist to hostage? And this is quite pernicious. You know, when I asked the, uh, the 126 CISOs, you know, have you experienced attempts to commandeer your digital transformation, to commandeer your e-financial infrastructure and use it to attack your customers? And please exclude SolarWinds from this case study. Uh, 38% of them said they are experiencing that type of phenomenon, which is why I compare it to a hostage situation. The crew doesn't want to leave the environment. Even if they burglarize the environment, they don't want to just leave the environment. They actually want to use the environment thereafter to attack the customers of the institution, whether that's through watering hole attacks, where they commandeer websites or the mobile banking applications themselves, or whether that be through network-based attacks, or whether that be through reverse business email compromise, where they literally commandeer sysadmin rights on the O365 environment of the institution, and then push fileless malware from the legitimate O365 account of the institution against their boards of directors and their biggest customers. How do we break that chain without breaking the institution? You know, it, it is about the information supply chain, and you, some people do call these supply chain attacks, but they're not, they're not limited to just technology vendors. In so much that if an adversary chooses to use your technology vendor to target you, Bank X, they will then take your infrastructure and do the same thing from the vantage of your infrastructure against your constituency. So how do we mitigate this? We really need to expand cyber threat hunting to include all of our connective tissue, I would say, as it relates to not only technology service providers, but internally. And we need to conduct more robust penetration testing from inside out of our organization to understand that if my organization was taken over and hijacked, uh, where could they attack? Who would they attack? And and how would that manifest? In addition, you need to integrate the telemetry of your network detection response capabilities with your endpoint detection response capabilities. It's essential that those be uh, intertwined and integrated. 
What you've been talking about there, I guess, is taking a proactive approach to cyber defense. Because if I just sat here and listened to you, I, I would be digging a hole in the ground and climbing into it and pulling a rock over my head. There are things that can be, at least I hope there are things that can be done. There are a number of things that can be done. But one thing we need to be very careful of, and that is how we respond when we see evidence of the hostage situation. Because we don't want it to escalate, right? And what I mean by that is, the adversaries are fully aware, they are omniscient as to how we respond to them. And when we begin to do things like terminate their command and control or deploy agents uh, to enforce and to eradicate their presence in the infrastructure, they become uh, visceral in their response, such that in this report, it's noted that there was a 118% increase of destructive attacks where they destroyed infrastructure, where they leveraged not only wiper malware, but they used ransomware in a not Petya style, not asking for ransom, to cripple the infrastructure and to punish the defender for reacting to them. What can you say to people who say, okay, I take on board the increase in attacks, the increasing threats out there, the evolution of the threats out there. What can you say to them about what they should be doing? So if you're a CISO within a financial institution and you still report to the CIO, this is, this is your report. You need to distribute this report in a widespread fashion because this is your year that you get promoted and you must be promoted to be equal to the CIO because we necessitate that defensive mindset at the C-level. And you should be reporting to the board and the CEO on a monthly basis regarding your findings. And you should have the authority to veto and say no when the CIO does something that would expand the attack surface. In addition, you need to change the culture of security such that the goal is to prevent island hopping. The end goal, the ultimate goal is to prevent your infrastructure from being hijacked and used to attack your customers. Yes, you still need to stop wire transfer fraud. Yes, you need to stop... Uh, identity theft. Yes, you should stop the misuse of things. But most importantly, the end goal is to, to thwart island hopping and to limit the capacity of the adversary to dwell in your infrastructure for long periods of times or to, to leverage destructive attacks. Now, on top of that, I would recommend the following. Integrate your network security with your endpoint security. Conduct weekly cyber threat hunts. Provide workload security to your environment. Use just-in-time administration. Conduct a penetration test from inside out and segment your infrastructure and network to limit the capacity of an adversary to freely move. Tom Kellerman, head of cybersecurity strategy at the VMware security business. Thank you very much. Thank you.